Welcome to the Lifeline, a production of Simply BJE Incorporated. The goal of this podcast is to build, to inspire, and to empower our audience through conversations on business, leadership, and mental health. We invite you to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and at simplybje.com forward slash the lifeline. Now, let's tune in for today's episode. Top of the day, everyone. I trust that you were well, and thank you for joining us for this episode of The Lifeline. We're your hosts, financial coach and business coach, Bo Powell, and yours truly, leadership coach and mental health advocate, Barry J. Elliott, also known as BJE. Our goal is to build, to inspire, and to empower our listeners through conversations around the topics of business, leadership, and mental health. You can visit us at www.simplybje.com forward slash the lifeline and on social media at Facebook and Instagram. So today we are excited to continue our conversation about financial literacy with our co-host, the excellent, the expert. Yes. Mr. Trabor, Bo Powell, Bo, good morning, my friend. How are you today? Man, I'm great. Like I said earlier, man, if it's if I was doing any better, it'd be two of me. I told you before, I don't think we can handle two of you. Yeah, hey, man, I like to all give love, it a shot. All love, though. All love, yeah, though. I like to give it a shot, so I, I need like, to stand in every now and then. Yeah, man. This adulting <laughs> stuff is kind of ghetto, wouldn't you agree? It do, yeah. That's an understatement. <laughs> so so let's pick up where we left off last time. Yeah. So tell me about some of the challenges of debt management and ways to approach it effectively, especially considering, yeah. you know, the, the, the financial techniques that you are aware of and so forth and so on. Uh, that's huge. Um, it is one of the biggest reasons why people are not building wealth. Mm. Um, you know, we talked about last time about stock market participation and a lot of people don't do it because they don't understand it. They're afraid to do it. The other side of that, there are some people who really want to get into it, but they're inhibited by debt. Yeah. Think about it. You think about it. If we didn't have mortgages, car payments, credit card payments, you know, all this stuff on payments, we could probably save a lot more money. Right. But we live in this debt society. And people tend to have an argument about what's good debt and what's bad debt. But in reality, it's all debt. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, so it's it's really assets and liabilities. You know, assets are things that make you money. Liabilities are things that cost you money or take money out of your house. And so we live in a society that has celebrated people in getting liabilities. Mm. Just consumers. You know, we, we have this consumer-driven society. So... You know, and there are some situations where you may have to use debt as necessary, you know, to buy a house. Most people don't have a couple hundred thousand dollars laying around to pay cash for a house. However, most people don't buy a house right. So they are forever in debt. You know, as long as the bank can keep you paying interest and never getting to the principal payment, you know, you're just constantly in debt. So whether they're charging 8% or 4%, if they can keep you in debt for 100 years, because they're constant in this constant refinance cycle, you know, it, it, limit, it limits your ability to save. So when it comes to debt, one of the things I, I coach my clients on, you have to manage your debt, keep it to a minimal, and begin to understand how to use debt to create assets. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. for example, if someone wants, were to purchase a fourplex, you know, four apartments in one, some people don't know what that is, but, you know, you have four different living um, um, suites, if you will, you know, let's say if you purchased a fourplex and you rented that out, now you're collecting rent on that is now an income that pays the mortgage on that fourplex and gives you a profit for you. That's an asset. It brings money into the house. 
So that's truly of the purest definition of what good debt is. It's uh, debt that you leverage to make money. That's what wealthy people have learned to do is to use debt to make money. What middle class and poor people do is use debt to live. Yeah, it's true. You with me? So that debt management is huge when it comes to financial literacy. And many of the people out here that are teaching about financial literacy, it's really just about getting you in a better position to get into debt. Now, I want to go back to something you said that was key. You said a lot of people buy a house, but they don't buy a house right. Talk a little Mm -hmm. bit about that. Yeah. So you think about it. If you buy a 30 year mortgage, you know, most people don't know it takes a long time before you ever break even because you're paying so much interest. Here's the other side of that. Most people leave. The average person only lives in a house for 10 years. Mm. And so we've gotten so tricked into looking at, oh, I paid this much. Well, the house cost this much. I bought it for three hundred thousand. I sold it for four hundred thousand. 10 years later, and they think, oh, I made $100,000. But the Bible says, except unless you build a house, count up the cost. Most people, if they ever looked at how much they paid over the last 10 years for that house, they realize they probably either didn't make as much money as they thought, or they may not have made money at all. Because once you add up the cumulative payments over the last 10 years, they may not have actually made money when they look at the total cost. Yikes. You with me? Yeah. So a lot of people, <clears throat> unless they have built a considerable amount of equity, a lot of times don't make money, even though they may have sold it for a higher price than they purchased it for because they didn't calculate the payments in there. Is that pretty clear? So yeah. you, you got to yeah. buy the house right. So I like to coach clients. So if you're going to buy a house, you want to look at purchasing that in the lowest term you can, 15 years, 20 years max. And you'd be surprised that the difference in payment is usually not that much. Say that again. And so if you have, if you purchased a house for 15 years, Mm -hmm. as opposed to 30 years, you'd be surprised at the difference in your payment every month. It's not that much, right? So it may mean that you have to look at, said, okay, I like, I can't afford this much house because it's going to cost me too much to live there, right? So you have to look at it from a much broader perspective when it comes to financial literacy. And that's where many people fall short. They get so locked in since we're talking about homes. Oh, I got to get a house. This is the American dream. You know, I got to get into a house. They'll just take any terms for it just to be able to celebrate that we got a house. Yeah. And nobody really sat down with them to said, okay, yeah, you can buy a house, but this is the best way to buy it to where you can come out in a financial position that's more favorable to you than the mortgage company. Ah, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's good. That's good. Wow. So, yeah. so go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I'm just saying, yeah. That, that's mm-hmm. good stuff. So mm-hmm. let's take a turn for a moment. Talk to us a little bit about the role of the entrepreneur and how they play a part in economic empowerment and building financial stability in our communities. Um, entrepreneurship is, is, is huge. It's great for the people who can do it. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, it sounds sexy to be an entrepreneur. <laughs> Yeah, but it, but anybody who's done it tell you it's not for the faint of heart. So I think entrepreneurship is is extremely good because it gives you an opportunity to have uh, gives you an opportunity to make more money than you normally would working for someone else, and it also allows you to create opportunities for people who may not have had an opportunity. Maybe they were just looking at some type of retail job, 
not that there's anything wrong with them, but typically they don't pay as much as some type of corporate job. Right. And so sometimes I haven't been an entrepreneur will give opportunities to uh, allow people to get into a workplace, a workforce at a higher income level than they would have, you know, had that opportunity not been there, just depending on what the entrepreneurial enterprise is. Um, but I believe when it comes to ownership, the bottom line is entrepreneurship is ownership, yeah. is the ability to, to have something that you own and can be passed down to the next generation and to the next generation. Right. Yeah. So I believe the last time we talked about not knowing who your great, great grandfather is. Yes, most sir. people don't know because they didn't leave you anything. So entrepreneurship becomes an important factor if you can do it uh, when it comes to a generational wealth strategy. Maybe you don't keep the business and pass the business down, but maybe you build the business and you sell it for profit and it creates an inheritance that can be passed down or to buy other businesses or to put businesses in your kid's name that they can pass to their grandkids. So it is an absolutely great factor when it comes to income stability uh, and providing opportunities, not just for you, but for other people. When you work for a corporate job, you pretty much just working for you. Yeah. If you have a business, you're doing something for other people. You're serving the masses, right, with a product or service that you bring into the marketplace, but it also provides opportunities for other people. So a lot of people have understood that, hey, I can work for somebody from nine to five, but then my goals and dreams I can work on from, you know, six to 10 or 11 o'clock. So I'm doing something for my household, but I'm also doing something purposeful for the rest of the community and the world at large. That's good stuff. Um, I think, you know, one of the things you just really hit on is how being an entrepreneur is really not just about building wealth for yourself or building mm -hmm. a name for yourself, but it's really about using your skill set, your acumen, mm -hmm. whatever you want to call yeah. it, to help create more opportunities for the world. What you're doing mm -hmm. is bigger than just you. It's about making a difference in the world in which you exist. So that's, that's absolutely. Big. Yeah, that, that's big. absolutely. So, so as a licensed financial coach, which I might add, you do really well. You're doing a little Appreciate bit of the day, you know. You, you <laughs> yeah. know, you, you're scratching the surface. But yeah. for really getting into in-depth coaching, mm -hmm. why do you think that's important, and how does that personalized coaching help contribute to financial literacy? Uh, it's it makes the biggest difference in the world, right? You know, there's a statistic out there, and since our audience is predominantly African American, but there's a statistic that says 60% of African Americans usually go to social media for financial advice. Wow. Which is scary. 60%. So, 60%, which is really scary because as a, as a licensed and registered financial professional means I, you know, help people with investments. There's very limited things I can say online because every situation, everybody's situation is different. Yeah. So for me to get on here and just say, oh, everybody should do this. You know, it's very irresponsible uh, and illegal for me. And um, misleading. Right. For the licenses that, that I hold. Yeah, yeah. So many of the people that you hear online who are espousing, you should do, you know, you should do this and do that. They probably don't have the all the requisite licenses to be able to offer that advice. Otherwise, they wouldn't be doing it because they'd be in danger of losing their licenses. But to get to the point, one on one coaching is because everybody's situ situation is, is unique to them, you need that personal touch to give direction and strategy. Yeah. Most people yeah. are dealing with multiple financial people month in and month out. 
You got mortgage company doing this. You got credit card company, you got the bank, you got the investment guy, you got all these different people talking to you about your finances. And really all they're worried about is the product that they're offering you. Could you get all of them on a Zoom call or to come to your house at seven o'clock in the evening and say, hey, I need all you guys to sit together and come up with a plan that's best for me. Right. And that's probably not going to happen. Probably not going to happen. So <laughs> that's where one-on-one coaching is, is to help people to understand how it all works together. Yeah. I, as a financial coach, I don't just look at one area. I'm looking at the total financial house of how it all works so you can develop a strategy over time. You know, your financial journey is going to last decades. Wouldn't it be great to have someone that can walk with you along the way and as life changes can give you direction and strategy as opposed to just getting you in there excited and sell your product and be like, oh, thank you very much. Holler at me if you need anything else. So one-on-one coaching is the X factor, if you will. And mm-hmm. people who have um, employed the services of a financial coach have gotten far, far better results, three to four times better results than the average person. Um, which is huge. Um, so it's key to the financial health and stability of families, communities, and the world at large. When people are financially empowered, there's a just more that they can do for themselves and their other people, for their churches, the people that they they serve. There's so many more things, so many more options that you can do when there's a financial stability there and a financial know-how. Yes, sir. I often talk to people about it's one thing to pass on generational wealth. But if you leave wealth to a fool, you might as well have left them broke. And by a fool, it means you left money to someone who didn't know what to do with it. So it's important to pass on generational wealth, but you also have to pass on generational wisdom yeah. in order to make sure that wealth is sustained and maintained over time. That's good stuff. So let me ask you this. What are some of the changes that you think need to take place in terms of the community, the government that can promote financial education? You know, obviously, it would be great if we can have actual financial literacy classes in schools. Would be. That would be great. It would be. I, yeah. I remember when I was coming through school, I mean, we had a class that taught us how to balance checkbooks and stuff like that. So and that was some way of, of some type of financial literacy. So it would be great if we had some policies in place that would make financial literacy a part of curriculum, especially in urban areas uh, and underserved communities. That would be absolutely phenomenal. How likely that would be, I don't know. So what I believe is really most important is the conversations you have across the kitchen table with your children. Because, you know, even if you had a financial literacy class at school, they're only in there for what, a semester or an hour a day. Uh, It's the day to day, you know, because if you've been living in such a way for the last 10, 20, 30 years, it's hard to break those cycles. There are people who have went through financial literacy programs at their church and I've sat with them after they've left those financial literacy programs a year later and no, none of them implemented it because wow. there was nobody to walk alongside of them, which goes back to your next question to keep them accountable and give them direction. There's so much stuff on the internet. Okay. I know what I should do, but should I go with this person? Should I go with this person? I mean, how does it all work together? I sat in the class for six weeks, but I didn't have anybody here that can walk alongside of me and help guide me in these decisions. Um, so it's more important to have those conversations in the home and make it a part of the lifestyle that we live. And when the government or if the government decides to put some things in place, that's great. And 
But that's another side of one of the questions you mentioned earlier about entrepreneurship. I think the value of people who do have programs like this to start nonprofits uh, that can just give this information out if possible, or at least partner with someone like myself to bring us in to be, begin to share this with our community, I think that'll probably fare a lot better than waiting for um, the government um, to do things like that. So it's people like me and you deciding that we want to see change in our communities. Yeah. I think that's going to be the, the the way to make it happen. Because the truth of the matter is, Bo, that as we look at the pillars of society, mm -hmm. uh, when you think about health care, you think about education, you think about government, mm -hmm. they are becoming less and less more concerned about people and sure. more concerned about the green. Yeah. So as, argue you, with that. as you've already said, the probability of policies being implemented for these changes mm -hmm. is pretty low. It's possible, yeah. but the probability is yeah, yeah. pretty fairly low. Yeah. I wouldn't count on it. I mean, I, I'm more about personal empowerment. Yeah. You know, more than waiting for, you know, someone outside of you to do it. Um, so I think once we raise more awareness, which is one of the things I endeavor to do this year is to start doing more community type events or working with organizations to begin, begin to bring accurate information about financial literacy so we can begin to see change yeah. and close the gaps that we see uh, that are <laughs> continue to widen. So, well, yeah. I was going to ask a question about a mm -hmm. success story, but mm -hmm. uh, from my perspective, and I'm not saying this because I'm biased, well, I'm a little bit biased, but that's beside <laughs> the point. I'm looking at one of the greatest success stories and his name is Trevor Powell. So tell me, what is one of the greatest pieces of information that someone ever gave you regarding financial literacy? Ooh, um, one of the greatest pieces of information someone gave me as far as financial literacy. You know, that's really tough to answer because I couldn't nail it down to one. Mm. Um, Give me several. Uh, but what I will say to this, if if I can, if I can just sum it all up into one word, is stewardship. Yeah, man. So if I had to package everything that I've learned. Um, it's just stewardship Yeah, um, would be the key thing about financial literacy that I've learned is just to be better stewards over what God has given us. And when you look at the majority of scriptures in the Bible that talk about money, which a lot of people tend to point to that direction, but they typically are talking about the Bible talks about money more than anything else. And they use it as a basis to get rich or to promote people to get rich. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I like money, but really most of those scriptures about how you manage it. Yeah. Very true. I would challenge anyone to look at all the prayers in the Bible and tell me which one asked for more money. Why don't you drop the mic if you must? I haven't found one. <laughs> I'm still looking. I'm not saying it's not wow. there. Wow. But there's wow. many scriptures that you can point to about better managing. Yeah. You know, there's a few scriptures that talk about wealth. I believe, blah, 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 but I wish above all things that you prosper me good health, even as your soul prospers. But that encompasses so many things. Correct. I give you the power to get wealth, right? Uh, but that's about don't forget <laughs> who yes, gave you sir. the power. So yes, many sir. of the scriptures that we kind of use, uh, but ultimately the Bible is or principles, I should say, you know, whether you believe in scripture uh, of the same faith that I am, those principles are transcendent and stewardship is is key. So that if I were to sum everything that people have taught me about financial literacy is about being better stewards. That's good. I think that's really a good place for us to really end because we are in capitalistic society. So we think mm -hmm. of spending, 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 acquire more, acquire sure. more. 
or we don't think about stewardship and the importance of managing what we have and yeah, it's, investing. It's, it's, yeah. Yeah. It's delayed gratification. It's not that you can't have those. Correct. We kind of, we tend to disparage people. Oh, you just want to look, look, you know, there's nothing wrong with having a nice car. Nothing wrong with wanting a nice house and wearing nice clothes. I mean, I love to dress, um, exactly. but you may, you may find me in a thrift store. One of my favorite suits I got at a thrift store for 18 bucks and then wow. got it altered for, for, for another 12. I've had that suit for probably over a decade and I still get compliments to this day. It's a gray, it's a Ralph Lauren gray flannel suit. Wow. People would never know. I paid 30 bucks for that suit. And the next time you see me in it, you'll probably say, Oh, that's the suit. Right. <laughs> but there's just ways that you can do things. And if, if people can embrace delayed gratification and say, Hey, let me save to this point. I don't have to have it now. Uh, godliness with contentment is great gain. So you can be, can you be content where you are and not be complacent? Those are two different things. Yes, Contentment sir. means things I'm grateful. I'm great. I'm grateful for where I am, but I'm not complacent to where I just want to stay. I'm a team uh, continue to strive for more and to be better, but can I be grateful for where I am? Yeah. And yeah. can I plan and strategize for where I'm wanting to go? That's the whole point. So it's not that you can't have things. You just don't want things to have you Correct. and what we see people is they're just so enamored with having stuff because it makes people look and even feel successful, but they end up putting themselves in bad positions um, to do it. And that's where financial literacy really comes in that, which again, goes back down to stewardship. So how can we break the cycle and prepare the next generation and engage them proactively in conversations about stewardship? How do we do that? What does that look like? Yeah. So as parents, you know, I've got kids, grandkids. Um, it's first of all, getting myself right. And then having those conversations with my children and my grandchildren. When you look at a lot of successful people, you realize that financial literacy, prosperity and success is part of their conversation. It's part of their family strategy, right? They've got trust and all kinds of things are in place. And so it starts with getting the knowledge and beginning to make it a part of your daily lifestyle. I can probably mention many names that you're not kin to them, but you know who they are because generationally they, they've done so well to be successful. So we may not even know who our own great, great grandfather is, but we know other people's grandfathers. Yeah, yeah correct. <laughs> because they've correct. done so well. And it's not about being famous or anything like that, uh, but it's about being able to set your family up. And it starts by having these conversations and making them a part of your daily lifestyle, making it a part of your daily habits. How do you how do you handle your kids with their allowance? Are you teaching them the importance of budgeting, saving, cost and value and all those things? Or are you just giving them money? And, you know, so those things, it, it just becomes a part of how you live. And it's creating a new normal with how you approach things related to money. Uh, that's where it starts. So basically, yeah. it's fundamentally about having a healthy relationship with money. First starts there. Yeah. Healthy relationship with money and then having healthy conversations with your children and about direction money. about money. Yeah. Because kids, they're only modeling pretty much what they see and what they've been taught. Right. So that's that's how you begin to change generation uh, one family at a time. Powerful. Powerful. Yeah. So, Bo, tell, tell our audience a little bit how they can contact you. Um, tell them a little bit more about the services that you provide. Just give them some information. Yeah, so you can find me on social media. I'm on Facebook, um, Trabor Powell, you can, in parentheses, Bo, B-O. Um, you can find me on Instagram at, uh, at Bo Knows Money. Uh, I do have a link tree in there. 
uh, that will give you a link if you wanted to schedule some time to have a conversation uh, to see if it makes sense to work with me. You know, I'm really good at what I do, but maybe you ain't vibing with me when we talk. No problem. But go talk with someone. You can find me there. If you want to shoot me an e- email, actually, I, you can simply email me at, was it Bo Powell at Simply BJE? Yes, sir. Is it Bo.Powell or Bo Powell? That's your, no, that's, your, <laughs> that's, your, <laughs> that's your email, Joker. Yeah, you're right. right. And so uh, <laughs> it's, 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 it's one of those. It's, I think it's Bo Powell at SimplyBJE.com. Um, or bo.policymplybje.com. But anyway, just hit me on Facebook or, or Instagram. Uh, my website is forthcoming uh, with that. Uh, but I do pretty much everything. I'm a licensed and registered financial coach. So life insurance, investments, debt management programs, state planning, complimentary financial checkups, uh, pretty much Whatever challenge that most people have financially, I have a I have a solution and an answer for it is what I do. So it's what I don't do. That's probably a better question. So wherever you are in your financial journey, if I can't help you, I have partnerships with people who can um help you with that. So yeah, that's how you can get in touch with me. That's big, man. I'm proud of you. You know, I, I really am super proud of you. And, I appreciate honor, it, man. An honor to be connected. And just for it's the record, honor, the honor is all mine. And for the record, it is bo.powell at yeah. simplybje.com. I'm looking at it right now, bo.powell at simplybje.com. Yeah. That way, I'll, that, that way I'll know it came from the podcast. Yeah, that's perfect. That's good. That's good. Well, good people, this concludes our first episode. Actually, it's not our first episode. We This concludes our episode <laughs> of The Lifeline with your hosts, BJE and Bo Powell. Don't forget to check us out at www.simplybje.com forward slash The Lifeline. And on social media, we're on a mission. We want to bring life and life to your household. So join us and let us hear your feedback because it's all about bringing life to you on The Lifeline. God bless. Y'all take care. Thank you for listening to today's episode with host, business coach, Bo Powell, and leadership coach, Barry J. Elliott. Join us next week for another impactful conversation on The Lifeline.